listeners. Welcome back to Yeah Aha uh-huh with Lisa and Phil and our frequent flyer uh, friend Aaron from California, whose arms must be tired. Hey, howdy, uh, hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, this week we're talking to Officer Ron Murphy, uh, a lifelong resident of Norwood, a police officer. He recently retired. He is unfortunately currently suffering from some kind of poison, i.e. oak and or uh, ivy type. Probably um, ivy in Indiana. Maybe yeah, sumac. Illness. It's likely ivy. Uh, so um, welcome, Ron. Thank you. So you mentioned that you had... Uh health issue uh, about a year ago. An did, that, did that happen while you were on duty? Technically, yes. I mean, I I, I work Monday. Well, when I did work, I was Monday through Friday. Uh, we run a nonprofit. And oddly enough, I was uh, in Fayetteville, Ohio, dropping a check off to the Fayetteville Police Department because one of their officers was in the ICU with COVID. Um, and and they, they were just soliciting donations because he was the sole breadwinner for his family. And on the yeah. way back, I, I had an aneurysm occur when I was in Fayetteville. Yeah. So wow. it was, um, this was in, that, in the police station or in a car? Uh, I was actually, we have a farm in Fayetteville too. So it's only like five minutes from the police station. So I thought I'd stop by the farm and just check things out. It was there that I had it. And so I got back in the truck. I didn't know what happened. I thought I had vertigo. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a, some pain. But then instantly I just got nauseous, like uh, immediate um, and dizzy. And so I laid down for about 10 minutes and then I thought, ah, I better get back to work. I mean, something's something that's something's not right, but it, it'll clear up whatever I did, you know. Uh, so uh, my wife had had a couple bouts of vertigo in our, during our marriage. And I just thought, well, maybe this is what vertigo is. Um, so I tried driving back and I got about uh, probably 15 minutes Um and and so what was happening was the blood was coming out of the artery in my brain and it started filling up my ventricles. So mm-hmm. I, I couldn't see anymore. I was really confused. Uh, my vision was going and I pulled over to the side of the road and called my wife. Yeah. This was 15 minute time span. You said, uh, from, from the, the time. End, so when, uh, when I pulled over was probably about 30 maybe, but I drove about you laid 30. down for, you laid down for 10 minutes. I laid down. For like yeah 10 minutes or so and thank goodness i got up because my neur- neurosurgeon said if i had fallen asleep or whatever i probably would have died obviously right there so wow. how are you feeling now you feel pretty pretty good now or? did feel good um you know i mean that's part of the reason i retired um uh I, I was still getting headaches and stuff from the aneurysm um um using whenever i would try to focus on things um um like, so I was, a, I had a desk job. I mean, I'd had a desk job for seven years and I did all our video processing for body cams and things like that. So uh, when I came back to work, it, it felt great. But then that, that eight hours a day of just reading computer screens and dealing with the stress of just the pile of work that was there every day, uh, I started getting headaches and stuff. So, but since I've left work um, until this, this poison, whatever I have, uh, mm-hmm. I haven't had a headache. I've been getting headaches the last two days because I can't sleep at night. So right now I have fatigue headaches, but, but I haven't been getting headaches. And I'm sure that was a big part of um, just the stress and the, um, again, just focusing that hard. And and my brain, they said it would take about a year and a half to recover. So at least next, next month will be a year and a half. Um, you know, um, but I, I still play stuff. I mean, I play pickleball, I play hockey, um, (laughs) 
know, I mean, I'm, I'm back to doing, I mean, he told me uh, last July when I went back to work full time that I'm completely healed, like rehabilitation type, you know, and your brain getting back to normal and everything. But, um, but it was your brain taking its own sweet time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So do they, like, do they have to operate to, to release that blood or anything? Yes. Um, the first thing they did was uh, they have to get that blood out of your, out of your skull. Yeah. So the blood is literally just the aneurysm burst and the blood's just pouring into the cavity of your skull. And I didn't know this, um, but you have ventricles in your brain, just like you have in your heart. So I don't know what their function is, but, but those ventricles start filling up with blood. And that's when you start losing things like, um, a lot of my blood though went to the back of my head and that's why I was losing my vision because it was affecting my optic nerve, uh, the, you know, it was, um, affecting the, um, the spinal cord. Like, but so I had the first thing they did when I woke up, like, I guess it was about 18 hours later. By the time I got to the hospital, I became unconscious. I had an exterior shunt <laughs> that was right in front of my head, and all of my blood and cerebral spinal fluid was like being pumped out, mm-hmm. and put into there. It was weird to see, to see uh, sticky image. for about five yeah. days before they had surgery because they were trying to figure out the best course of action. My neurosurgeon's team, but they ended up doing a stent, just like you hear of a stent for anything. I mean, the um, heart, or- yeah. They, there's different procedures they can do. They can do a coil, a stent. Um, there's one other thing. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, so they went with a stent. And yeah, it seems like it's fine. I mean, it's incredible, really. I mean, it, so on January 15th, I had the aneurysm. Um, for about two weeks, maybe three, I thought I was going to die. I was in ICU for 20, I think 28 days. But I literally thought yeah, I was going to die. Time. And then for yeah, about four weeks after that, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to die. But I'm going to have a pretty miserable existence because at that time still, I mean, I couldn't get up out of the ICU bed. You know what I mean? Like I was just all locked down um, and I really didn't think. And then after that, I'm like, all right, I'm going to live. I'm not going to have a miserable existence, but I probably won't ever work again. And then within like three months, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go back to work. <laughs> so it's amazing pretty. what they can do these days. Yeah, it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. The field of neuroscience has yeah. leaps and bounds in the last 10 years. Well, good luck uh, finishing up with the, the recovery there. It sounds like you're doing really good. So yeah, yeah. You, you did have a sense of how serious it was just as a Facebook friend. I could see that, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. so we were thinking about you, but yeah, yeah, I know uh, knowledge about things like aneurysms and strokes is so important, especially in my family, because at least four of my female progenitors have passed away from strokes before the age of 60. So I try to keep Philip aware of the fast um, options. So we kind of go back, you know, we go back to uh, Mm -hmm. the days of allied scales and Schulte. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Has there ever been a better time in your life? You know, we've talked to Sean Cannon, your former teammate. We know that uh, Wendy was your manager i believe rod housley played on that team yeah remember Mm -hmm. our little sandlot battles i mean has there ever been a more fun time in your life to play in sandlot baseball i mean it was really big back then my grandkids bringing this up in you phil yes yeah (laughs) watching Aaron's grandkids. yeah it takes something to remind him about how much fun baseball used to be i mean aaron is chronicling the playoff run his his grandkids have just been on on oh yeah and stuff and it's just it raises all these memories and it's like you know it makes you feel like well i know i'm almost 50, 55 here but i still think i could go out there and you know 
uh, play second base. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> Ken Gabbard still plays baseball. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Ken Gabbard. Yeah. yeah. He was, a, uh, last I knew he was a DJ in Dayton or something. Yeah. 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 He, he stopped he me at a convenience store a couple, you know, uh, not too long ago. He was like, you got to come out to play it. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like I can yeah. barely get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. He's married to Kim Pete now and she posts pic- pictures and videos of him on Facebook all the time playing cool. baseball and adult leagues, hardball leagues. So, but, yeah. um, no, I loved, I tell people all the time. I mean, growing up in Norwood, um, was literally like Mayberry. I mean, it was, it was so, uh, but the, the not whole baseball, I mean, the fact that you could have, you could have two leagues, you know, with each age level, you know, D1 and D2, and they were typically the same ages, you know, it might be a year apart, but, uh, but you never had to leave Norwood. I mean, to play, you know, whatever, a 14 game season, uh, the kids in Norwood nowadays don't understand. I mean, they're playing in like district leagues. So you played against all your friends. So you'd see them in school all week, knowing you were going to play on Saturday or whatever. Was it, do they and, no uh, longer have that not whole league? Well, they, no, do. they do. There's just not as many kids. All, in all the good kids are playing another <laughs> league. Or soccer. Yeah. 19,000 maybe right now. Um, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot, but yeah, everybody travels, like not literally on traveling teams, but they just go to Deer Park or they go to Reading or they go to, you know, they, they just play teams around this area. Mason, Milford, Montgomery, right. and even Westchester. We would have six teams, all Norwood kids in a league, you know, and so you'd play them three times or whatever, you know, for 15 games, you know, in the same way, you know, and I try to explain that to to, to my kids. I mean, they're a little older now, but but it was it was the I mean, I loved, I loved not whole baseball. I loved uh, Wendell Hoffman and Denny Evans. I don't know if you remember Denny. Was he a coach? Yeah, he was the assistant coach. Uh, uh, His, his, his family and my family, my parents were friends. So, but those were, I mean, those were the best of fun. Good, good baseball, good people. I mean, you know, um, I honestly don't remember anybody being like what you see now on videos and stuff, like a, a coach, I mean, or somebody being just, a complete jerk when you see these videos posted nowadays. I mean, maybe there were, but it just yeah. seemed like everybody got along. Cause again, it was, it was a Norwood league. And um, so you had to deal with these people, you know, it wasn't like you could be a jerk to them and then right. uh, deal with them, you know, the next, next week or whatever, maybe at work or school or something. So, but no, those were, those were great. I mean, those were really good times for sure. I mean, you'd wind up pitching to, to guys that you would uh, play you know, rubber or no, slam ball with or right. diamond ball. Right. Uh, my friend Ken, of course, uh, you know, he, he hit me like a drum. Like I wasn't a great pitcher anyway. But it's, yeah. I would, okay. I would have a little bit of luck, you know, sometimes if a guy didn't, you know, had a little bit of movement, I give a little bit of luck something, but Ken would come up and just hit line drives all over the damn place because mm-hmm. he pitched over and over and over again. It's like, there was that familiarity. Yeah. He, he, had- he knew everything you had and what you did <laughs> next. Right. right. But yeah, that was, that was yeah. A- I mean, that's a drawback to playing the same people over and over. Yeah. But on the other hand, did that or did it not force you to improve your skills? Well, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, if people if people uh, figured out your, um, you know, so, like yeah, what is yeah, it would you would have to improve or find some way to change things up. But yeah, yeah I just remember. I mean, growing up in Norwood, I thought was great. I mean, I still think it was great. It's a little different now, but it was so ideal. I mean, every park, you know, uh, 
you had all the parks in each neighborhood and every park had hey, a park. So much scratching, Ron. Can't help it. I'll take your wife's place for a few moments. <laughs> yeah, like every neighborhood had their uh, uh, little rascals gang almost. Yeah, right. Like, right. Oh, uh, Kenny English hangs out over by, you know. Uh, or maybe more like or, your sound lot gang. Or, yeah. or your sound, sound lot buddies. Or Brian and Keith. Sand lot. You know, Sorry. up around Sharpsburg. You go up to Sharpsburg, yeah. you're going to find those guys and you'll be able to play. Yeah. You know, there are a lot but, of parks with baseball yeah. fields around there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Nowadays, though, when I'm driving around because I live in Norwood, I mean, you don't kids aren't even playing on playgrounds. I mean, nobody plays on these playgrounds anymore. No, Uh, we've got the nicest little league fields around here. They all have grass infields. Right. Um, (laughs) The kids have uniforms with their name on the back and fitted hats with their number on them. Yep. (laughs) Walk up music. Yeah. I mean, hats, but fitted. Hmm. Fitted hats with with oh, yeah. their roster number on the side, names on the back, and, and they're all. Um, I think Little League Baseball is an of, official licensee of MLB, so they're all real teams. Like uh, oh. Ryder was in Ryder was on the Double A Moore Park Braves, and uh, Austin was on the Farm Moore Park Royals. Yeah, and wow. you know, he's got the powder blue. He was looking good. He had sharp looking <laughs> uni. <laughs> he's blue eyed blonde, right? Or is he brown eyed? Yeah, they're both blue-eyed blonde. Okay. So they're, they're, they've got like $400 graphite mm-hmm. bats, $90 cleats, and, you know, mm-hmm. probably carry their bat in like a, a case. Mm-hmm. It's so, you know, oh, they all have, they all have, they all have <laughs> backpacks with little uh, out thing. You can, they fit two bats on the outside where like a water bottle would go in a normal backpack. Yeah. And Ron, I don't know, know this, there. but uh, Aaron's son-in-law made a, uh, he made a visit to the pros. He was in the minors for about okay. three, four seasons. Yeah. I thought he actually went to the pros just like for one game. The minors are the pros, but no, he got to AAA oh. for about 45 days. Tom yeah, Lasorda was at his signing, right? Yeah. Tommy Lasorda. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to uh, Dodger Stadium today. He's going to the game because uh, Kevin Pillar, his old college teammate, got called up by the Dodgers today. He's playing oh. tonight. Oh, cool. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. career this path that you went yeah. on sure. uh, i remember an officer murphy from when i was a kid i was on yeah. a I was on a blind date one time and uh i'm driving along and officer murphy was coming the other way and he slowed down and he this leaned officer up. murphy no, no not, this off, murphy. Okay. not this officer murphy but he told me he said uh you know he kind of admonished me because uh i had a prediddle mm. I, you know i had one head one headlight out yeah but he had a reputation as being kind of an old school officer. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you were related to him or if you, you know. Nah, no, no. Um, but it's funny. I mean, everybody assumed that when I got hired. Uh, John and I worked together. That was John Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, got hired, he was my sergeant. But John, everybody. John and Ron Murphy. Yeah. That's got to be confusing That's as hell. You can't just say Murph. You can't just say. I mean, oh, no. You no, had no, to have but- nicknames or something. I call him Murph, actually. Yeah, he likes going by Murph. That's what I always tell people to call me, too. It's just so much easier. But But when there's two Murphs, what are you going to do? Well, now the problem is, is that uh, uh, my son works for us. Well, not I'm Mm -hmm. not part of but uh, and then my nephew. So when we were all working, I mean, yeah, there were three of us on the department. A lot of Murphy. You want, you know, which one are you looking for exactly? Well, Mm -hmm. most of the time they weren't looking for me because – the other two guys were in patrol, so it was somebody they dealt with or whatever, and they, they needed to talk to the officer uh, and, and not the lieutenant. So, But that was pretty funny, yeah. 
it yeah. created a lot of problems having that many Murphys uh, in the office for sure. Uh, I guess, but, uh, when we would have like Thanksgiving or Christmas, there'd be um, at my brother's, there'd be two Brad's and a Brandon, a Dan, a dad, two moms, two Lisa's. Yeah. So start handing out numbers. The only, the only person that didn't get confusing was him. (laughs) (laughs) The only Phil. There you go. Yep. So Aaron, speaking of speaking of related to Ron, though, I wanted to shout out your mom was one of the coolest people at at, oh. the, at the school. Oh, yeah. 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 A lot of people have fond memories of her. I mean, being my mom, of course, I loved her, but uh, I didn't know, when, you know, until oddly enough, after she passed, um, how much she meant to a lot of people, though. I mean, because uh, she, yeah, I mean, I knew she very, very everybody nice. you knew knew her pretty much. Yeah. Right. Because because we all went to school there. What did she yeah. do at school? Uh, she was, uh, um, I guess, I don't know if it's politically, like, but I thought her secretary. Like the, yeah, like the principal secretary. Well, well that's that. what she was. Uh, yeah, you she can was say a, administrative assistant if you want, but yeah. well, I mean, actually, administrative time, assistant and secretary are different jobs. Yeah. Not necessarily anymore. Well, I can visualize they give you the title just to make you, you know. I can visualize right now her sitting at the ballpark at the the fields and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I mostly visualize her behind her desk. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She loved, uh, she loved, I mean, she loved that job. I mean, she worked for the Norwood schools for almost 30 years, uh, Mm -hmm. but she also liked going to the ball games because even after I got done playing, she was going to my nephew's games and she liked sitting at the ballpark. That's for sure. It's a blast going to those games, man. Yeah. 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 Um, but there was also Aaron told a story in one of our ep- uh, episodes about Liz. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. to go into that. I don't know what Liz's last name was, but she, I think she was the only female on the force at the time. And she would come into UDF when I'd worked there and we, you know, we kind of uh-huh. got along. Did you work with her at all? Or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm actually good friends with Liz. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. we worked together for probably um, not really sure. I would say probably eight to 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, her last name was Netherland. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, she actually is married to Todd Wagers. They're married now. Oh, wow. so, oh okay. So yeah, they live out in Newtonsville, Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. But she, she's, uh, yeah, she was great. She was our um, sex crimes detective for a long, long time. Really good at that. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, when I first started, that's what she did. And then she came out uh, her last few years. She worked um, in the patrol division. Uh, right before retirement so but I, she's probably been retired by 10 years yeah maybe a she little bit longer. she was always really cool she gave us a break because we were playing softball down under the parking lot lights at uh at waterworks uh-huh. yeah. out of there a couple like, times like yeah. midnight or one in the morning yeah. <laughs> i think she gave us a couple warnings and more warnings than we might have got from Someone else. Another officer, maybe. Right. <laughs> Eventually, we, we stopped doing that. But, yeah, she was cool. I liked her. So what yeah. would uh, what would your reaction to that situation with these uh, criminals? Oh, uh, I was pretty easy going to. I mean, uh, so uh, people always said, they actually, people uh, always accused me of running. I'm going to be running for office, they said, because I was always so nice to everybody uh-huh. when I them on duty you were the the Uh, sean casey of the squad yeah right that's what they they literally all the police department anyway within the police department they all call me the mayor so uh, but um you're like the tv face of the department too for a long time right 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing you quite a bit. Yeah, well, that was what Bill Kramer, um, he wanted that to just be a position. Uh, and most agencies have that. It's called a public information officer. So, uh, and it does work out really well because you develop a, uh, a relationship with the reporters and, and that stuff. And, and they trust you and you can trust them. So it works out really well because there was sometimes they'd want to do stories and I'd be like, ah, you know, this isn't really, I mean, it, it's not a good story. It's sensationalism. Um, you know what I mean? And, and so sometimes they would, they would hold off on doing it. Cause it, I really thought it would make Norwood look bad. I'm not talking about like a, a shooting or something. I mean, just a yeah. story that really they didn't, I mean, it was just nonsense, you know, it just made people from Norwood look bad is all it was. But I mean, that's the way news is nowadays. So it's all about clicks, you know, uh, website. Sensationalism. Right. Right. So like TMZ type stories I'm talking about, you know, where just uh, stupid, silly stuff, you know, that, but no, it was, it was fun actually doing that. Cause I did, I enjoyed it. And, um, and I think I was pretty good at it. I mean, people always said, you know, you do a good job getting, you know, get making you know, your point across um, in stories very well. So I enjoyed doing that. Who inherits that role now? I'm not sure who um, we talked about it, the chief and I, but I don't know who, uh, who who will do it? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> this would seem to be a good spot to uh, talk about the time that we saw you in action. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I don't know if you recall this or not. It was a very, very difficult time yeah, for us. Probably Lisa not. was um, inherited the responsibility to uh, help help with the estate. It was it the estate. Well, um, my uncle passed away uh-huh. and I basically was the only person who was willing to step up and deal with his wife. And and she was very she was an advanced stage at of best, uh, dementia she was difficult at the time. When she was and, not in dementia, and 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 right. you and uh, a couple of other officers responded to a call at her house, and we mm-hmm. were there, and we were kind of standing back. You know, it was really difficult. It was actually, but, uh, if I may, yeah, Labor Day weekend, and she was trying to repossess uh, the truck of a person who lived across the street from her on, uh, I believe it was Duck Creek is the name of the street. And she owned one of those little like two bedroom uh, mobile homes with foundations is -hmm. what I would consider it. Uh, And uh, she kept calling the police to report that the neighbor across the street had stolen her brother's truck. And this was not true. And uh, we ended up calling, I uh, behavioral health came to help assess her. Uh, and she did end up being, um, we did end up signing her into a nursing home, but it was, it was not easy. I had to go to court and get custody of her because, um, of course she wouldn't sign any papers and she really wasn't able to, you know, had she not been in dementia, she wouldn't have signed the papers anyway. So that was just, she was an ornery person. What you may remember is she tried to show you how good she was at shooting by borrowing your gun while you were taking her out to the car. (laughs) It's funny. I I don't, I don't remember any of it. Yeah. Yeah, She was like, I don't know, uh, 80. Well, you were, I was impressed. This was a long time ago. I was impressed at how you handled it. Yeah. You you handled Mm -hmm. it with uh, compassion and um, you, you, you weren't. You, you were showing very that, professional. You know, that, that it wasn't a mm-hmm. confrontation or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Her husband George had been a 
security guard, I think, in the past. And he was had- a, a, a MP in the service, and he was he had worked security his whole life, and she had worked in security as well. And so, you should- and she was a good shot. She scored like. <laughs> I don't know, like the the top of her security class, she was in like 90 percentile or 98 percentile. So, you know. So she, <laughs> you showed her a lot of respect and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it, it was impressive the way that you handled that situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I always, when I worked, I just, I always honestly gave people, I mean, it's it's a very tough job one. When people, yeah. people say, oh, you know, that cop was out of control or out of line or whatever. Um, I mean, we're human. Um, but I always treated people with as much respect as I could. One, it made the job easier, you know, uh, the old thing of, uh, you know, attracting bees, you know, with, with sugar or whatever, as opposed to, yeah. to vinegar. But, um, you know, I mean, I just would always treat people really well um, until the point where I couldn't anymore. You know I mean, and I can't tell you how many times in my career people apologized to me afterwards I mean, honestly, it was, you know, when you had to use force or something because they knew, I mean, it just wasn't, it just wasn't my style. I mean, I, I had a problem using force, you know, when, when it called for force, but I would always uh, rather kill them with kindness first and, and let them, uh, what I used to tell when I would train new officers, I was a field training officer. And I'd be like, your, pro- your goal is to let that person arrest themselves. You know, I mean, sure, we can go in there. We know they're going to jail right when we get to a scene. You know, it might be, let's say, a perfect example is a protection order violation. So if somebody shows, if you go somewhere and you know uh, John Doe has a protection order filed against him by Jane Doe, and as soon as we get there, we see him violating it. Well, you know he's going to jail. So we have every right to go up, put our hands on him, you know, put him in cuffs and everything. And so, but I always um, would let them arrest themselves yeah i mean in a sense like maybe spend five to ten minutes talking to them let them hash their story out or whatever and then i'd be like you know you know we have to take you to jail now you know and so because again i was not a big guy i'm still not a big guy yeah Uh, i didn't get paid enough money to 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 have people resist arrest all the time so and a lot of times again that's why the people in the department called me the mayor or whatever because um i would spend more time with people probably my boss use diplomacy right and because again i did not want to have to fight people i probably had 10 or 15 fights in my career and uh never fun but i mean um yeah i i mean i I weighed when i got hired 160 when i retired i weighed 195 (laughs) so i'm not a big guy you know but how old were you when you started i mean right out of high school or was it no i started at golf manor first so um but i started norwood when i was um well, I think I, I think you were golf like, manor at our 10 year reunion. Yeah. Yeah. So golf manor. I was at golf manor for seven years and then I did 26 years at Norwood. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's um, yeah. I mean, it. I tell you what, though, it's it's nice. Two pensions. No, nah, it's the same pension. Yeah. Huh. 33 years in the pension. Uh, the Ohio nice. Police Fire Pension. Yeah. So it's nice. Really That's nice. <laughs> Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Did that yeah. predate? Did that predate? We were in high school then. Oh we, yeah, like, probably it was like tenth grade, eleventh grade. I don't even think it was. We were that old. I think we were like thirteen or fourteen. Because okay. well, I, I didn't move to Norwood till seventh grade, and I remember I was at Steve Wilms's house when that was all going down. I met him in ninth grade, so I had to be ninth or tenth grade. 
But you know what? I'm I might be confusing it with the uh, uh, the John Paul Franklin thing that ruined yeah, that one. I don't know about. Yeah, that was the guy who shot uh, two young African American kids on Reading Road and killed them right behind Lower Millcrest Park. There, the one Phil's talking about was uh, an old couple on floral or something. Yeah, yeah, Alton Alton Coleman and Deborah Denise Brown. Yeah, so that was yeah, that was it's still tragic. I mean, to think about what occurred there. Um, Yeah, it's uh, you know, as kids, we never locked our door. (laughs) I mean, uh, it was shocking. It was shocking yeah. that something like that could happen. Years later, I went to a ball game with an older man that they had a uh, convenience store in that house on the corner of Sherman, right next to the post office. It was oh, actually yeah. the, the uh, birthplace or home for um, George Chikaris, a famous yeah. actor. Yeah. convenience yeah. store that was called Convenient? Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't called Convenient, I don't think, but it was... <laughs> no. no, he's but talking... I'm trying to get, I'm trying to tell you where it's at. You know, it was right yeah. patty corner from the high school. Yeah, that's the one. Corner of Allison and Sherman. Right. Yeah. Where Shelly McNeil drove through the window. Well, okay. that's, that's the convenience store, which is now an Ameristop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next to the block there. Yeah. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Big red brick house on the corner. Yeah. 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 Anyway. It's now a home improvement place. Yes, it's, it's, Jerry, it's Jerry Hoff's contractors because we actually employed him to do some work for us once. But anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. Harry and his wife ran that place, and I got to know Harry because I delivered newspapers there. And eventually, I went to a ball game with him and Micah, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, not until I had that work done with Jerry Hoff's when we were just in the parking lot talking mm-hmm. one day after work was done. I think I stopped by to pay him or something. Turns out he was the the man that was um, one of the victims of the Alton Brown, um, yes. Alton Coleman, Deborah Brown, you know, rampage or whatever. Yes. So, Harry. Harry was, yes. Yeah, yeah Harry. Super yeah, nice. But yeah, it was really so sad. So he was injured and not killed, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, he yeah. was. He got killed, but Harry, Harry survived. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was their last name? Yeah, Harry Walters and. And uh, I think Marlene might have been her name, Marlene Walters. Yeah. So yeah. really sad when I found that out. But that's weird mm-hmm. that, it, you know, all that time I knew the guy, but I had no idea. But what was the highest profile case you were involved with in your. Oh, hmm. you mean like the because I was never in the detectives division, but. Um, yeah, well, the, the highest one you talked about on TV. The craziest one that probably ever occurred. Even better, craziest. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, craziest is even better than high profile, if you ask. Yeah, I mean, um, well, we had... You can think it over. We don't have to put you on the spot. No, that's all right. There's just some tragic stories. I mean, we had a yeah. we had a, um, a young girl um, get murdered by her father right behind the police department. Uh, that was on uh, Station Avenue. Yeah. Um, father was just suffering from extreme mental illness. Um I think he thought that I can't remember specifics now, but that she was like the devil or something. I don't know, but she was about 13 at the time killed her. Uh, that was, I mean, that was sad and very sad, but also like we were working that day, you know, we were looking for the dad. We didn't know where he was, you know, um, mom came home and found the daughter, I think was the story. So, but that was pretty, um, pretty horrific. Yeah. We had a guy- to make you relive all the 
tragedy, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, no. I'm not trying to you know, no, bring you, you down. Know, yeah. There's Generate a reason why memories. I don't watch the news. <laughs> Actually, my, my first Ron Murphy memory, I guess, is seventh grade. I guess we think, um, I guess we were in health class. And you're the first person I ever heard use the word succotash other than uh, Sylvester the cat. <laughs> because we had to we had to like keep track of what we were eating every day or something or what you had, he, yeah. he said succotash and the teacher said lima beans and corn right i'm like oh wow that's a real food yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. love my mom used to make it all the time uh yeah i haven't yeah. Had- my mom used to make it with green beans because we wouldn't eat lima beans yeah but she I still love- called it succotash that's funny that is so funny <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Suck- that's my first Ron Murphy or my earliest Ron Murphy memory that I still remember ah, anyway. Stuck a tash. Well, you mentioned um, mm-hmm. mental illness. I mean, I'm not trying to bring the, the uh, level down or anything like that, but you did mention mm-hmm. mental illness being a contribute. What is the biggest? Is that the biggest issue in the, you know, in Yeah, that, in and that's actually in- my question. Which one, if you were to have to choose to work to towards improving one or the other would it be mental illness or gun control which one as a police officer would you personally in your experience find you know well that question really comes down to universal health care or gun control right well yes and no i mean um a lot of mental that's how you're going to treat mental illness yeah well that's true but there's more to it than yeah but it it has to be at no cost to the right really well i could just tell you i don't think until i got into police work uh that i understood just how much of our population is suffering from some type of mental illness um i mean there are people out there every day um i mean obviously you see the extreme people when you know i mean i'm talking about people that are living their lives um but there's just a lot of mental illness. And, and uh, I think, I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but um, you know, 40 years ago, um, these people were housed somewhere, you know, which isn't right either. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying, but um, now they're out, you know, and uh, um, they're living on their own. Sometimes they have a caretaker that checks in with them once a week or something, or, um, and that's a, a big problem. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, just knowing that they have bad days <laughs> um, and they suck, this mental illness sometimes can take over um, and, and really bring them down. I mean, I actually became friends with a lot of people with mental illness and I would, whenever I would see them, I would stop and chat with them and just check in with them and ask how they were doing. And I mean, officers, that's one of their first lines now, if they know some, you know, did you take your medication today? Mm-hmm. You know, how well, are you feeling? Uh- Oh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Saying how you, I mean, because we knew they suffered from mental illness. Again, 40 years ago, they would have been housed. I always tell people it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest in that scene where Jack Nicholson finds out that like 90 percent of people in there could leave anytime they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying they, they should be have been helped, but they had somebody that was making sure they were OK each day. Mm-hmm. And that that's the part that scares me is there's a lot of people in society that don't have somebody making sure that they're okay every day. Um, so we know-, I know where I'm going with that other than um, it was alarming to me when I got into the police world though, that these people who were out there and they were suffering from mental illness and, and, um, and there weren't people 
keeping an eye. It's kind of disenfranchised. I mean, we've had personal experience with family members with mental illness. And I knew a woman who got divorced and she lost her health insurance and she uh, ran out of her meds and she ended up in the emergency room and they basically got her stabilized with her meds and sent her on her way with two weeks worth of medication and told her to call to get a new, you know, got her moving financially. And they, now mind you, like I just said, they gave her two weeks worth of medication and told her to call and make an appointment with a uh, with a practitioner at Greater Cincinnati Behavioral Health. And uh, she was scheduled with an appointment for two months. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, I mean, you the, know, the person's not going to follow up. Yeah. on that. They're not going to follow through. And so what happened is her own, family so. would take her in. That's, that's two know, months of no treatment, too. Right, exactly. So her family took her in. She's fine for two weeks. She goes off her meds again or because she's out of them and she has no refill. And so she goes, she ends up back in the emergency room. She doesn't know how to work the system because she hasn't had to. She's had insurance. She doesn't know what to do. And it got to the point where her family had to stop allowing her to live with them. To live with them. They had to get her... Because every time it would be like six months before anything could really be done until she was homeless, until right. she had nowhere to go. Right. And then they housed her in a facility. They got her help immediately. They got her together with a practitioner all within two months. Now, why couldn't they have done that? You know, why wasn't there a recourse for outside the system? I also think that they went from everybody was. In the, you know, everybody was put into a facility to no one's put into a facility. Right, right. And I think some people need to be, there needs to be an in-between. There needs to be something for like the criminally insane that just isn't prison. It seems to be a problem that continues to grow. And you Mm -hmm. get these incidents like we had in Texas and stuff. Uh, Texas, Columbine, right. uh, the the guy in uh, uh, Sandy Hook. Uh, you know, these are people that are specifically yeah, mentally it? ill. Their mental illness made them do what they did. Something in and, Chattanooga yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a disconnect mm-hmm. between a lot of people. Also, mm-hmm. they look at it and they don't recognize the mental illness, mm-hmm. and they don't right. they don't you know they don't approach people with uh, kindness or. Uh, mm. sympathy like well, and, maybe officers mm. are they would come across it every day they right, learn how right. to be diplomatic you know well i mean it's well, uh, i mean my aunt vera was a very very difficult person her entire family just nothing right if you just she met had her siblings who would have nothing to do with her she might run over your foot at the supermarket yeah. or something <laughs> and, all right so officer sonny kim another uh-huh. normal uh high school graduate right mm-hmm. yeah Oh, really? Yeah. I really had no idea what kind of legacy he left behind. But, I mean, he was uh, actually killed in action at uh, an incident that happened in Madisonville. He was a Cincinnati police officer, right? Did, did you know him very well, Ron? I didn't know him really well, but I knew him enough. I mean, we, you know, uh, obviously being in the police field and then being from Norwood, he was good friends with Hank Ward. So um, I would run into him every once in a while. But he he was really good friends with, we didn't run in the same groups in high school. I mean, but he was good friends with like Jeff Reynolds. Uh, I don't know if you remember Jeff. Um, I mean, but it was, that was just such a tragic story. I mean, Sonny, Mm -hmm. 
apparently was just a fantastic police officer. I mean, literally what everybody wants a police officer to be. Uh, he was just very, very uh, 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 kind and empathetic. And again, doing the job, um, you know, still doing the job, you know, I mean, doing, you know, keeping people safe and doing what he's supposed to do, but also, again, being, you know, showing empathy and, and, um, and letting people, you know, it's just, themselves. yeah, right. It's just a tragedy though. I mean, the fact that he knew that family, um, he had worked, um, with that family, I guess, you know, cause he was, he was in district two and he was a neighborhood officer. I mean, literally they would have neighborhood officers who would deal with issues, you know, in the districts, you know, um, and um, I think there was a story that somebody in that family, like a mother or a grandmother had went and got their high school degree, like in their thirties or four or whatever. And, and Sonny had gone to the party, you know, like, cause he had encouraged her to get her high school degree still and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, have it a little bit wrong, but it's something like that. Um, so he knew that family. I mean, he knew, um, you know, it's just, a, it's just a tragedy all around. It's somebody, it's a tragedy anytime anybody loses their life, but, um, do you, do you, I mean, in a situation like that, do you, and no blame whatsoever on um, Officer Kim, but um, do you think that knowing that he knew that family, he might have approached it in a more familiar way or maybe a less cautious way? Um, I'm not sure. I'm just curious. Um, as, yeah, an, I'm, as an officer. That's a very good question. I mean, because everybody lets their guard down. I mean, I... You know, I mean, um, when you're in the police world, I mean, everybody gets, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I know the mother um, came out to the street at one point when this incident happened. And um, I mean, there are stories out there that she distracted Sonny, you know, because um, the call came out as a person with a gun or something like that. I, I don't know the specifics entirely. Um, but uh, so I, there were always the, the idea that the mother, though, um, like distracted him, not on purpose. I mean, because she was worried for her son. Um, and then that's when the son, I guess, was able to, you know, Sonny didn't see him pull a gun out and shoot him or something. So, uh, but it's just, a, it's terrible. I mean. Um, yeah. Well, you can tell by the response of the community that it, it seemed to uh, bring more positive, if anything good that came of it. And it's hard to say that anything good, but mm-hmm. it did seem to, uh, draw the community together to, to bring a little bit more uh, sympathy to the, the or sensitivity police. to the, the difficulty of the job and the, mm-hmm. the, the harm that you put the police officer puts himself right. in. Um, so goodwill. Yeah. Goodwill. If you will, but, if nothing else. Yeah, But it's tragic because he was mm-hmm. like a sensei. He was like a martial arts sensei, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, mentor kids and- I believe he, he owned it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure, but yeah, he was, you know, he had two, I think two boys, um, you know, young boys, they were probably like, I don't know, 13 at the time or so. Um, it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you hope, uh, nobody ever, like I said, any, any death is, is tragic, but when somebody's doing, um, the work he was doing, you know, um, it's just, is it's, I don't know. It always struck me as even more sad when somebody's out there doing, everything doing the right things and doing it for the right reasons and everything. And then when you have a senseless tragedy like that, it's, it just makes it much worse. It's, I think. Yeah. You lose the person, but you yeah. also lose what the person did is service, you know, mm-hmm. the yeah. work. 
sad and tragic are a good segue into the Cincinnati Reds, who are going to <laughs> right? Fenway Park today to play the Boston Red Sox, another sad, tragic team in yeah. 2022. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I'm well. I think we're all Reds fans, but and but I will always be a Reds fan, and and so people were on them pretty bad, and and it, it was disgusting to watch that first uh, 25 games or whatever. But I I was telling my friends, I'm like, well, they're not as bad as they look right now. They're not going to be a very good team. There's going to be regression to the mean, right? And, <laughs> and they're uh, five and five over their last ten. Should have won yeah. yesterday. Yeah, they should have. I mean. Um, that's another discussion there. The whole, I don't understand David Bell. I mean, like Malley had a no hitter, right? When he pulled him? Uh, he gave up one. He gave up a double. Oh, he gave up a double. Okay. He gave up a double, 104 pitches. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah I was at our farm. So I didn't, wasn't watching it. And I was kind of listening to it on my radio, on my phone, um, on the uh, MLB channel. But um, yeah, but they're not that. I mean, I like I like the, the the scrappiness of the team, and I like the way they see pitches. Um, I mean, all these young guys they've got up, uh, they they work the pitchers well, and and I'm excited. Uh, I mean, it's just yeah. disappointing. Uh, um, Tickets got, have to be easy to get. Oh, it's crazy, and I, I'm a I'm always a look on the bright side. I really am. Yeah. Uh, now, when you go to the game, because I'm in a partial season ticket plan, we have ten home mm-hmm. games, eight guys. You you, you split a, a season ticket package, uh, yeah. eight. And um, no line at the bathrooms. I oh, mean, yeah. you walk up, go right in, use the bathroom. No line at the concession. I mean, you yeah. go. Yeah. When, um, when the Dodgers yeah. were owned by the McCourts and they were going through their divorce and they were, weren't putting any money into the team and they, you know, they sucked. Tickets were freely available. You could see any team that came into town, you know, like $8, pretty good seats on StubHub, probably less nice. than face. Good old day. <laughs> all the Reds tickets you can find for less than face now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Dodger tickets. No, yeah. old yeah. days of Dodger baseball. Screw this one. Now you're talking about season tickets that you slit for the Reds. Uh huh. If uh, if you ever have a, a an open uh, slot, oh, I'm okay. always looking for a good gift for somebody. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah, no, I will. Okay. I'll remember. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. there are times when people drop out. They just can't. They can't yeah. commit. Year to year, I'm sure it's, there's a lot yeah. of turnover. Normally, I would have gone to three or four games by now. This year, it's not worked out. I'm not – like I told Aaron, I was very upset when Castellini came out and basically snubbed the fans. Again. Yeah, that felt weird. Yeah. But, so, but I'm not protesting the Reds. I mean, I plan on going to some games, and, and I'm following the team. I'm still a Reds yeah. fan, but it is very, very disappointing yeah. what, what they're yeah, doing. Enough, um, I work for the Finley Market every opening day parade. You know, I get yeah. down – form and everything and, yeah, and he uh, took us up with the opening day tickets in the past oh, right yeah and so i was talking to phil that day at the beginning of the parade and he must have given that interview because I, I i mean the parade was getting ready to start so he must have given that interview already mm-hmm. i guess i don't know but um we talked it was, about it was like nine in the morning the interview i think okay yeah and the parade was yeah i did but i didn't know that when i was talking to him like i didn't know that he was being blasted you know uh uh, so he, it was all easy breezy like he wasn't like he didn't have a, a, something weighing on his mind like i just stepped he, on a he way. probably didn't know yet <laughs> yeah. yeah well he, he probably is like like i'm not a big twitter guy i mean i get twitter i understand it but i just don't use it that much well uh, you have to know that saying that would be controversial i mean it it, it killed mark shot yeah. it was it was on uh it was on the radio it was on wlw i think yeah 
yeah. Eddie and somebody. Well, it came across as something that may have been uttered in a boardroom. Eddie and Tracy? Not, not public consumption that's slipped out, you know, that, mm-hmm. that uh, where are you going to go? Well, you, you got to make sure that mic's turned off, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, he, he knew the mic was on. He was, he was answering a question. Oh, okay. he said to he said to those people you know that that want me to sell the team you know if somebody else buys it they're probably going to move it out of town where are you going to go yeah right yeah oh where would they go well i mean there's a lot go. of te- a lot of towns looking for a team yeah okay Portland. yeah but it's not as easy Vegas. it's not as easy as just pulling up roots and going oh, that's a big discussion right. well we had a yeah. we had a Oakland days are going to be in Vegas pretty soon. Uh, I think. We don't want to talk to someone who lives near the Dodgers <laughs> about you can't just pull up roots and leave. L.A. has three teams now: Reds, Dodgers, and Angels. We got the Reds. Oh, <laughs> oh, it, that was his joke. Well, as we wind down here, how about mm-hmm. we touch on one last mm-hmm. topic that's always is kind of uh, I've been curious about. Sure, and we'll let you have last topic too, Ron. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Uh, cops did a series in Norwood one time. Did, yeah, yeah. Were, were you on oh, that, wow. or were you on? I didn't get a chance to see uh, them all. I, bad I, boys, bad boys. What I was on it, but I'm only in a cruiser. Um, there was a guy who it was on the Tased and Confused episode, uh, <laughs> where a guy ends up uh, the officers tase him, uh, but he's sitting in a car, and as soon as um, the taser only lasts for five seconds, so. Um, when the taser went off, like it's not activated anymore. Cause again, they, they had a five second cycle. Uh, he starts the car up and drives away. So he starts a pursuit while well, I was coming to the scene. Cause I was the Sergeant, you know, in charge of the shift that night. And, um, um, I was about two blocks away and he was coming right at me and, uh, we're not allowed to block the road. So I didn't block the road, but I, I gave him a way out and he ended up yeah, he jumped the curb and, and and drove around. So, but nobody saw me, but I knew that was me. So, yeah, I was in an episode. So, um, but that was a fun time. I mean, I didn't realize what goes on with. Um, I guess that was reality TV in a sense. Um, but it was funny to see the behind the scenes stuff. Sorry, my dog's barking. Hey, that's all right. Hey, that's uh, fine. So, yeah, so I guess the cameras and everything like that on that on, on cops when that kind of get in the way when you were driving uh, around. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's funny. Um, so we assigned them to two officers. So mm-hmm. you had a guy and a boom guy. Um, but um, the fact that it was reality TV, it never really struck me when I watched it until they came and you're working with them. But a lot of times, like there was a couple times we had foot pursuits, and mm-hmm. you know we. But the camera guy missed the foot pursuit yeah, beginning. Make you reshoot it. So they'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, uh, uh, can, you know, to the officer, it was Eric Nelson. He's like, Eric, can you just like run out of the car again? You know, like an hour, <laughs> you know, just to see him exiting the car, you know. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Uh, it, they said, uh, I talked, you know, they were based out of Las Vegas. And um, so uh, they were young guys because they had to be on the road for three months at a time. And then they would go home and be off for three months and then come back out. So they'd cycle them in and out, you know, uh, but they were all really young guys because they, you couldn't have a family doing that. I mean, no, I don't think any. Well, you could, but not for long. It wouldn't be very good, right? They know what her husband would put yeah, up with. Living in Vegas and being gone three months at a time, yeah. Right. So they, um, but they, uh, they would have to, 
um, they, they told me right away because I was always real inquisitive about it. And they like, well, we want we want to tell a story. We want, you know, obviously the beginning, the middle and the end. They said it's no good if you don't have all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, and they didn't like using. Um, and if you ever if you watched cops a lot, they never really blurred out the faces unless it was a really good story. Um, because they said they don't, it doesn't make for good TV to have out blurred out faces, but they would negotiate with people because they would have to have them sign a waiver to be used. So yes. once we arrested a guy and I don't know if you guys I made thousands of dollars, he could have. Yeah. But they, the jailhouse is cold and most jails are just like hospitals because it helps keep, you know, viruses down back, whatever bacteria or whatever. So, um, so yeah. When you would have a frequent flyer, we called them, and they would say, oh, man, it's going to be cold. In the summer, anyway, you know, they're like, oh, it's going to be cold as shit down there because they would only have on, like, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. Well, this guy, when the cops team was here, that happened. We had a guy, and he's like, I'm not signing your waiver. F you. You know, we're not. Screw you guys. And then so they asked me, they're like, do you think you can get this guy to sign the waiver? And, um, and I said, well, I'll go back, and I'll talk to him. So I go back there, and I talk to him, and I said, hey. It's going to be cold down there tonight. You're going to have to stay there all night till you're arraigned in the morning because they don't give you clothes down there. I mean, if you if you get housed for like a month, they will give you like stuff. But if you're just being detained and then having your arraignment in the morning, you don't get clothes. And he's like, oh, you're right. It's going to be really cold down there. And I said, well, I can probably get you some sweatpants and a sweatshirt from like Walmart or something. Um, but they said you'd have to sign that waiver. <laughs> And so the guy signed it and uh, they went and bought him a pair of sweatpants and a, and a hoodie, you know, and <laughs> there you go. he, he, uh, and it actually ended up being a really good episode because mm-hmm. the cops guys, that was when cornhole was first becoming popular here locally, mm-hmm. you know, the board game right. and yeah. they never heard of it or didn't know, you know, so they really wanted to use that segment uh, because this guy was arrested out on the street in a fight they got over a cornhole games so uh that's yeah. awesome they really wanted to use that mm-hmm. sex. yeah i i didn't know what cornhole was until i came back for a visit one time right yeah so it's, it's just the what... beanbag toss right yeah, yeah. Just, i've seen it since at like tailgate situations yeah. Big tailgate thing. But, one... but it was in cincinnati long before i heard of it here yeah it took it's over. unusual yeah Oh, just because I didn't hear of it here, it doesn't mean it wasn't here. Right, right. Yeah, everybody, um, there was a oh, two or three there where every, I mean, that's all, I mean, everywhere you went, there were multiple cornhole boards and uh, yeah. it's popular, but it's not like it was back. I mean, it was, was a big thing uh, to make your own and paint it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd see them at uh, mm-hmm. Kroger all the time. Yeah. Another big growing thing is, I guess, uh, pickleball. Yes. What exactly pickleball. is pickleball? Basically, um, a smaller, slowed-down version of tennis. Uh, yeah. Biffle ball. You play with a... It's a okay. solid paddle and a yeah. ball that behaves more like a badminton birdie, from what yeah. I can gather. But it's taken over. I mean, you guys know the whole development going on. I mean, Aaron might not know, but the old U.S. playing cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, my mom right. worked there for years. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, that's developed right now, and mm-hmm. they just on with a company like two months ago and they're going to have i think 12 pickleball courts really it's going to be mixed media entertainment so like, um, like an extension of waterworks now well but, but it, won't, yeah, it won't be i mean you, i don't know if they'll let you walk up those steps anymore to get across like over to the world that way but 
Is there still uh, the little trail that goes to Waterworks from like by, by a U.S. playing card? What is that, am I confusing where that was? They're probably going to close it off. They probably don't yeah. want people. It's a lot across the railroad tracks. Right across the railroad tracks. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that sounds safe. It's probably a pretty to, dangerous area, really. Where <laughs> you used to see like Mike Francis drinking a quart of beer. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of foot traffic through there. That was like hey, a, hey, very popular. Don't, don't give Mike Francis up to the cops. It's unnecessary. Yeah, he he didn't make it that far. So oh, sorry to say. I first got hired at the police department. So in 1996, 97, um, huffing was a big thing. Then kids were huffing. You know, spring. Yeah a spray can or spray paint into a, into a know, bag bag, and then huffing. And we would always catch them up there huffing, you know, and, then, um, and there were bags all over up there with just spray paint residue. That little, that little trail going to waterworks. Yeah. That, yeah. The top of the steps. Cause they could see you coming, mm-hmm. you know, they just hung up up there, you know, they'd see you walking. So yeah. never dabbled in huffing. <laughs> no. uh, uh, Ron, uh, uh, the last I heard about that development, they were talking about a uh, dog park, condos, yeah. uh, apartment mixture, uh, yep. something like maybe industrial left style, and then um, maybe some shops. Uh, there's a brewery going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Can't think of the name of the brewery right now, but it's a national brewery. Um, we've, we've got like 35 of those that opened in the last, like, it seems like three weeks, you know? It's like seems like, seems like a BJ's opens everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. We have BJ's actually in Rookwood. Yeah. I think they're mm-hmm. they're preserving the. Uh, I think clock. there's one by every movie theater out here. Yeah, yeah. They, they did save the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. I thought they had to. Well, maybe they did. I mean, I mean they might have historical work thing. Right. They had to keep something for historical purposes. Yeah. If you want to see though, they have a great Facebook page. It's called Factory Fifty Two. Factory no, Fifty Two. That's it. They. Uh, so it's like old LeBlanc is what Rook Rookwood or something. Well, you know, I've, we've always wanted to have more people from Norwood on, so we really appreciate you coming on. Oh, well, you thank know. you. Do you know anybody else who might want to uh, join us? Yeah, like from the historic. Like I've wanted to have people from like the Norwood Historical Society. There's also oh, yeah. a guy uh, making uh, a. Uh, no, there's people that play the old timey baseball. Oh yeah, 1869 Reds. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted guys on those teams that play in that league. So that would yeah. be a very cool episode. Yeah, it would. Yeah. yeah. I'll um, I'll reach out to them and I'll try to hook you guys up. I know somebody from the historical society, Susan Daniels. I mean, yeah. she talked to, and then um, um, the 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 two guys uh, that I know from um, the baseball team. Um, yeah. And, and about- if if somebody's a little bit shy, you'd, we'd be we would welcome you back. <laughs> just to, you know, yeah, if they no, wanted someone to, I'm more than happy to come back, but I think they'd be all right. I know them. Well, um, just, you know, yeah, but they, uh, that'd be great. I think the historical society thing would be a great one. I mean, Susan, yeah. Susan knows so much stuff. I mean, crazy amount of stuff. Yeah. Um, Amy Schaus, do you guys remember Amy? I guess. Yeah. 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 So her cousin, Kari Junker, is a big historian. Yeah. So she's on Facebook, actually. I think she just yeah, moved. She's in that Cincinnati historical. She, she you know, does photos of old Cincinnati and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, one of our one of our issues is I've I've tried to get Philip because Philip's really into history, and I thought Norwood Historical Society, perfect. But all their yeah. meetings are like during the day. Really? Yeah, the ones that I've I've 
whenever I've tried to put together, you know, yeah. it was a daytime meeting. Weekdays, oh. you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They oh, meet well, like three o'clock at the library. They're like at Lindner like Park, aren't they? At the Lindner House. In, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I know Not I, the ones that I've seen, but I, I mean, one yeah. Time at- with them but i'll reach out to susan and there's a guy named rodney rogers he's big in historical society too okay. um, is there anything you'd like to promote or any you know yeah. links or charities or gofundmes you'd like to right. norwood police association um it's the we call it the npa um do they have a web page uh we have a facebook page facebook page okay we'll link to that yeah um and um but Basically, what all we do is we kind of act as a middleman. Uh, so we solicit donations um, for various whatever to do throughout the year. We have one big event every year. It's called the Pigs and Pens. It's our bowling benefit. It's in uh, pretty is phenomenal. Stones lanes? Stones, yeah. I mean, it ends up being uh, we fill up every lane. So there's 140 bowlers. And then there's still people. We tell them, like, you don't have to bowl to participate. Just come up and hang out. Uh, we have a really good split the pot, um, uh, silent auction. I mean, we just, it's a really fun day. I mean, I think people love it. Um, but throughout the year, uh, we just do things for, for organizations. So they, we get a lot of, uh, solicitations for donations from, organ, you know, school events, um, other charities. Um, so we basically, again, just a middleman, you know, we're taking in the money and then we're sliding it somewhere else in Norwood. And for the most part, Almost every dollar goes back into Norwood. There's been some things we've donated um, outside of the city of Norwood to different organizations and stuff that has a um, a connection to Norwood, though. You know what I mean? So it might be like, like you, Aaron. Let's say if you had something going on in California, and you'd be like, "Oh, this would be great," you know. And you and I saw it online. I'd be like, "Hey, can we make a donation to this guy? Uh, you know, for whatever his benefit is, you know, because mm-hmm. we're in high school together." Every once in a while that happens, we'll have a something that, but most of the money stays in Norwood. I mean, uh, like just last month, for example, we, um, uh, Williams Avenue had their end of the school year, like, I don't know, it might've been like three weeks ago. Um, and they asked us if we would grill. So, um, we, we had four officers, we showed up with a grill, we bought 400 hot dogs, 400 buns, uh, you know, mustard ketchup and stuff. And, and we just grilled out for them. Norwood View called us for a gardening club they had and they needed, like 50 bags of topsoil, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went and picked that up with my truck. I delivered it to the school, bought them their topsoil and they do this gardening club over the summer. So, um, but we do, I mean, it's more than that stuff. I mean, again, most of it's, most of the time it's just a monetary donation. Uh, but other times it's, you know, Hey, we want you there, you know, a representative and you know, outreach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, it's a great, uh, when we, we came up with this idea, like I said, 10 years ago, um, we didn't know how it would do, you know, and we, but it's really become, it's a great thing. I mean, it's really, really nice. And it's a good way to get into the community more. Um, and, and a lot of people, um, deal with us now that maybe wouldn't have dealt with us in the past, you know, through donations and things like that. So it's really a great, it's a great, uh, charity. And like I said, and because again, not that there's anything wrong with overhead of charities, but, uh, we're a pretty small charity. The larger you get, the more, um, you know, I mean, you have to spend money on residual things and stuff. But I would say probably 95 to 97 percent of the money we take in in donations is, you know, uh, goes right back out. So eventually, well, like, I mean, you know, there's a um, 
there's an annual list of, of large charities where they kind of go over like, for instance, uh, Goodwill, um, really well, actually doesn't do very much for charity. And they're, uh, the guy in charge of it is, you know, he, he makes like $12 million and, and gives nothing back. And they don't even really hire the handicapped anymore, apparently. Yeah. Can be. And when they did, they paid them like uh, they, they made less money per hour, right. even though they were not even full time employees they were part time and they right. made like server minimum at like 253 dollars an hour yeah, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard many horror stories about large and that was legal yeah. which is sad yeah okay. all right but, well oh so, yeah that's yeah. uh but my own. but this isn't that <laughs> no no that's yeah. what we're saying norwood police association <laughs> give till yeah. it hurts <laughs> And it's a smaller charity, so it can have lower overhead. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Virtually right. no overhead, I imagine. Really, it's, it's a really- ton of fun here. Yeah. Uh, mm. I'm sure Ron might want some of his day back, so why don't mm-hmm. we go ahead and okay. uh, close it no. close it out yeah. here? This was it's been great to see you, man. Yeah. You guys now, too. Uh, oh, thanks for the ride from. Uh, with some vinegar and a little bit of Dawn in the bathwater. Yeah, I'll try. A good idea. Thanks for the ride from Phil's house to, or from, from, uh, the from wood the- to Phil's house that time. Yeah. 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 I was actually thinking about that the other day when, when we set up this thing, I'm like, Oh, the last time I saw Aaron, that was probably that time. Yeah. I think that is last time I saw you. So yeah. the first time was Succotash and the last time was, uh, was the ride home from the bar. <clears throat> you ended up at the right. And, and Aaron was not on illegal substances that you smoke. You ended up at the right house that time. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have social Twitter. Yeah, uh huh. Pod Instagram. Yeah, uh huh. Pod Facebook. Yeah, uh huh. Pod website www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Yeah.